Please turn your Bible to 1 Samuel 29. 1 Samuel chapter 29. We're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 29 and chapter 30 this evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're your family and it's a real joy to be able to come and lift our voices together to study the word together. God, we pray that we could take the truths that are in your word through the power of your Holy Spirit and we could apply them to our hearts and our lives. I pray that we would know how to strengthen ourselves in you, how to inquire of you, how to pursue the things that you speak to our hearts and our lives. So give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. When tragedy comes, unfortunately, tragedy does not give notice to us. Those things that seem to wipe us out, we have no indication that they're coming. That's the case for King David. If you don't remember or are new to this study, he has embedded himself with the Philistines, the enemies of God, because he's on the run from Saul. His what you would think uh, maybe his embeddedness, his secret service, if you would, it's going to be exposed here in chapter 29 when the Philistines say, all right, David, we want you to come and fight with us against the children of Israel. Then those events turn to him having to go back to Ziglag, to the, the town that he was living in, and he finds that his two wives, all of his men's families, have been kidnapped, have been taken, taken captive, and tragedy hits the life of David. How he's going to respond, I think, is going to be very applicable for us this evening. You might be in that place of tragedy tonight, and you go, wow, I'm so glad that I came. Or you might be saying, I'm in a time of blessing. You can tuck this message for a later date, but I think no matter what season you're in, the three things that David does in this passage, where he strengthens himself in the Lord, he inquires of the Lord, and then he pursues God's direction. He pursues what God spoke to him, is what God wants us to do in a daily basis in our relationship with the Lord. That we can really learn how to have strength in him, that we know what it is to inquire of him, to seek direction, and then to follow it and to be able to pursue it. So let's look in verse 1 of chapter 29. Then the Philistines gathered together and their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain which is in Jezreel. So they are headed into battle, Israel against the Philistines. And the lords of the Philistines passed in reviews by hundreds, by thousands, but David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. The princes of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? Great question. What are these guys doing? I thought we were fighting the Israelites. I thought we were fighting the Hebrews. Why, why is David and his 600 men with us? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this I found no fault in him since he defected to me. Achish fully trusts David. Achish believes that David is going out and fighting his own people. Remember, David was going and raiding the enemies of Israel. So Achish is standing up for David saying, we can trust this guy. He also has Saul as an enemy. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him, and do not let him go down with us to battle. 
lest in the battle he become our adversary. For with what should he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these men? We can't take David into battle with us. What if he reconciles with Saul and then becomes our adversary? Here it comes, the famous song about David, verse 5. Is this not David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands? David just can't get away from this song. Here it is again. They're doing the math and they're going, this is their champion warrior, David. He's killed Goliath. He's killed 10,000 of us. Why is he now going with us in battle against the Israelites? So David's going to get sent home. Then Achish called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you've been upright, and you're going out, and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I've found no evil in you, since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the Lord's do not favor you. Therefore, return now and go in peace, that you may not displease the Lord's of the Philistines. God is really gracious to David here. David has to be sweating bullets or arrows or spears in that day. What am I going to do? I can't go attack my own people. I can't go attack the Israelites, my own countrymen. But here Achish thinks I'm, I'm committed to him. How did he get himself into this situation? Because he made decisions out of fear, remember? He wasn't seeking God's direction. He wasn't seeking God's guidance. And God, out of his grace, gets David out of this jam. Now, have you ever been there? (laughs) Ever gone, man, I, I made decisions out of fear. I made decisions of lack of wisdom. It was foolishness. And God, out of his grace, intervenes in the midst of this situation. David doesn't necessarily deserve this. This is God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor for him. And thankfully, the Lord is gracious to us. In verse 8, so David said to Achish, but what have I done? And to this, what have you done in your servant as long as I've been with you? That I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king. David continues to play the part. He's like, what, what have I done? Why, why can't I go, go and fight with you? Then Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are good in my sight as an angel of God. Man, Achish is really duped. I, mean, I wonder if David's getting just flooded with all these compliments and he's going, oh, if you only knew. <laughs> if you only knew that I wasn't doing any of the things that you thought I was this whole entire time. I was deceiving you and I, I was tricking you. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to battle. Now, therefore, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning and have lit, depart. So as soon as the sun comes up, you need to get on your way. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. We go into chapter 30. David's now heading back to Ziglag. While the Philistines are headed into battle to fight with Israel, Saul's going to die in that battle. That's what we'll see next week in, in chapter 31. So verse 1 of chapter 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day. So it takes them three days to travel back to, to Ziglag. That the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. 
The Amalekites was one of the groups of people that David was raiding against, one of the enemies of Israel. So now they're returning the favor. And they come against Ziglag, this small community, this city that had been given to David. And they attack while David and all of the men are gone. And they burn the whole city with fire. And have taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. Again, I think this is God's grace because there's no logical reason that they wouldn't kill everybody. Because that's what David was doing, remember? David was going into these Amalekite villages and, and he was killing, killing everyone because he didn't want to be found out. And granted, it was the enemies of Israel, but we talked about that last week. So it would only make sense that when they're coming in, in revenge that they would kill everyone as well. But they spare all of the women and the children. They burn the city. They take all of this, the spoils. So David and his men came to the city And there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Scripture tells us they've been taken captive, but David and his men don't know what's happened to their wife and kids. All they know is the city's been burned and their wife and kids are gone. You can imagine that they're assuming the worst, that they're assuming they've been killed, they're assuming that they've been raped, that they've been been abused. Talk about tragedy coming. Talk about tragedy falling in your life. In verse 4, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Now, if you've had tragedy fall in your life and come in your life, you know what this feels like. To the where you're at the point where you weep and you don't have any more tears. You've cried, you've cried, you've cried, and you can't weep anymore couldn't imagine that things could be so difficult, but now you find yourself there. And this is, to me, is a mystery about life, isn't it? That you can go from one of the most joyous occasions of your life, you can be having one of the best days that you've ever had to walk into a tragedy like this, to to walk into the death of a loved one, to to walk into a close friend dying in, in a car accident, to having your doctor call you into your doctor's office and let you know that you have a very serious battle with cancer in front of you. Bam, it's there. And David's just kind of going through his thing. Okay, whew, I don't have to deal with trying to figure this out with going to attack my own people. I'm looking forward to getting home. When, when you're coming home and you've been away for a while, what do, you, what do you anticipate? I anticipate seeing my wife and kids. I can picture it in my mind. Come into the garage going through the garage, give Amber a kiss and love on the kids. And man, it's, it's wonderful. I'm sure David's looking forward to that. All of his men are looking forward to that. And then to find that here's tragedy. Now, this is amazing what we find David doing in the next few verses. And David's two wives, Ahinomi and Je- the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, David was greatly distressed For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. David has double trouble, quite literally. He's grieving for his two wives. If you've missed prior studies, no, polygamy is not God's design. It's not going to go well for David. It won't go well for you either. But his two wives have been taken captive. He is the leader. So when things go wrong, who do you blame? You blame the leader. And his 600 men 
are looking at David and they're saying, we want to stone you. We want to, we want to kill you. And when I was reading through this and studying this this week, it hit me, how much stuff have these guys been through together? It's been 600 men for some time. But when things get difficult, when their, their families are gone, when they come into this tragedy, there's so much grief. The scripture says, because of the grief, because the people were grieved, they decided that they wanted to stone David. And in our grief, when we're in that place of tragedy, oftentimes we want to blame someone, even if if they're not the right person to blame. Someone's got to pay for this, so it's going to be David. I think there's a lesson here for us. When we're in that season of grieving, be careful who you blame. Be careful who you start to throw stones at. Sometimes in a marriage, when husband and wife lose a child, it can be very difficult on the marriage. They start throwing stones at each other. You start going, well, you're not really grieving. And if you really, if you really cared like you, you should, you'd be showing your grief. And, and they are grieving, but they're very quiet about their grief. Or someone else might be very expressive in their grief. In your pain, it's, it's really easy to, to get mad at people that love you. You get mad at the David of your life, someone who's been there for you, a parent, a mentor, a close friend, but, but the grief causes such intense confusion, you start picking up stones. And David's going, oh no, I'm, I'm in for it. This is, this is difficult. And he's, he's greatly distressed. And then notice what, what he does at the end of verse six. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want you to take note of this, write it down, pray it through, strengthened in the Lord, strengthened in the Lord. And there's several things to consider here is the only way that David in this kind of tragedy could strengthen himself in the Lord is because this was a lifestyle. This is the way that he lived his life. This wasn't the first time that David went to the Lord to be a well of strength. We go back early in his life when he's a shepherd And he has the difficulty with the lion coming against the sheep. I think David strengthened himself in the Lord. As he's been on the run from Saul and Saul's been trying to kill him, we saw that he strengthened himself in the Lord. He was quick to go back to the Lord, to cry out to God, God, you're my strength and you're my refuge. So this absolutely fits if you're in tragedy And tragedy comes in all different shapes and sizes. It may be a big difficulty or a small difficulty, but it also fits if things are going well in our lives. This is something that we want to know how to do. This is a place that we want to know how to be able to go in our relationship with the Lord. So how do we do it? How do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? In this phrase, in this verse, it says he strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. And that's something to circle and meditate upon is it's that relationship. He has that relationship with God. God's my father. He's my shepherd. I'm the sheep of his his pasture. And that's the key to strengthening yourself in the Lord. It's not a formula. It's not just checking off boxes. It's coming to the Lord. As we sang tonight of God, I'm drawing near to you. I'm taking that step towards you. And that can be very difficult to do in tragedy. That can be very difficult to do when Where's my wife? Where's my kids? They're trying to stone me. These are the men that we fought next to each other. God, God, what are you doing? And everything inside of us may be saying, I'm stepping away from the Lord. Maybe you're stepping away from the Lord because of the the pain in your life. Maybe the tragedy was 10 years ago. 
The hurt was five months ago, but you've been in a retreat with the Lord ever since. It's understandable, but it's not where you're going to experience the comfort. It's not where you're going to experience the strength. And so you think, well, well, is this some kind of easy, beautiful, pretty process? No, a lot of times it's messy. It's difficult. It's ugly. The Psalms are filled with David and, and other men going to the Lord with their disappointment and their questions. I encourage you, if you're in one of these seasons right now, read the Psalms, because you'll see this pattern over and over again. They come to God, God, I'm really disappointed. God, I, I, I don't know why you allowed this to, to work out. Would you just take my enemies and kick them in the teeth? Would you break their teeth out, you know? Now, theologically, from Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus taught us what? Pray for your enemies. But they're being real with God. I can't stand this guy right now, and I just hope you do him in. And do it in a painful way, you know? <laughs> and then you'll find, as they're pouring out the questions, why do the wicked prosper, these types of things, that there's a transition somewhere in the psalm, and remember, these are songs, where they begin to think about the character and the nature of God. God, I am really disappointed. Th- this really hurts. I don't understand this, but I know you're faithful. I know you're gracious. I know you're merciful. I know that your truth extends to the heavens. And then, usually, after focusing on the character of God, there's a personal application of coming into him as a refuge. God, you're my refuge. I'm choosing to trust you. I'm coming underneath the shadow of your wing. And the result of that, then, is you're encouraged in the Lord. You're, you're strengthened in the Lord. Turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah 40. So go over to Isaiah chapter 40. And we see a wonderful promise that God gives to us. Isaiah 40, the end of the chapter, in verse 27. We're going to read from verse 27 down to verse 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. And my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting Lord, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Even the young men shall utterly fall. Here it is. Here's the promise. Here's the application. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It'd be so easy for David to say, I'm going to take action right now. What's happened to my wives, my two wives? That's just weird to say. Should be singular, but it's not. But instead, he waits upon the Lord. And waiting upon the Lord is not passive. I want you to hear that. Yes, you stop everything else and you put life on pause for a second, but it's actively engaging in your relationship with the Lord. I'm waiting upon God. And here's some ways to wait upon the Lord you sing to the Lord. In the midst of the distress, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the loss, as hard as it is, God, you're faithful. God, you're good. 
You begin to sing amazing grace to the Lord. And many times God will plant a song in the midst of our hearts in in those moments. You begin to pray. You begin to have an honest conversation with the Lord. You get in the word. For me, it's usually a walk. I need to go for a walk. Seems like walking helps me pray. If I'm not walking when I'm praying, I get easily distracted. Especially if I have my phone anywhere close by or there's food anywhere close by. It's easy to go to what I need to get done or, man, some chips and salsa sound really good right now. Go for a walk and just begin to talk with the Lord. Talk with the Lord. And yes, in time of tragedy, yes, when things are going good, yes, when it's just a mundane Monday morning. I was driving back from Denver this afternoon. It was a beautiful afternoon. The snow was amazing, fresh on the pine trees, about the Larkspur area. Sun was just right. I just found myself thinking, God, you're the creator. You're so good. Spending time with the Lord. And a few minutes later, I found myself strengthened in the Lord. Just like Isaiah 40 tells us. We want to know how to do that. We, we want to know how to, to enter into God's presence, to exchange our weakness for his strength. That's what David does here. So let's go back to chapter 30 and see what takes place. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod to me. And Abathar brought the ephod uh, to David, a way of seeking the Lord's direction. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So first he was strengthened in the Lord and the second as he inquired of the Lord. He's saying, God, should I go pursue the Amalekites? Should I go pursue this troop? Now put yourself in David's shoes. I would have such a temptation and a tendency to not stop and inquire of the Lord. You know what I'd probably do? I would go right away. I would try to find out what's going on with my family. They've been taken from me. Let's do this. There's not a lot of questions at that point. It's just absolute action. I wonder how many times we miss the will of God because we already assume the answer. This makes sense. I don't know where my family is. I know the Amalekites came in here and burned our city. I'm going after them with a rage. But David here shows tremendous wisdom. First, he strengthens himself in the Lord. Then he inquires of the Lord. I think first we have to put our attention upon God. God, I need to be reminded about who you are. You're my heavenly father. Hallowed be your name. You're holy, you're good, you're faithful. If I'm not seeing God in the right light, I'm going to have a really hard time receiving his instruction. So get my perspective right on who he is and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I encourage you, as we sang as well tonight, I surrender all, is to inquire of the Lord about your life, whether you're in tragedy or not. God, what would you have to say? What am I missing in my marriage? You're single? What am I missing in my relationships? God, what am I missing in my job? I know it's about a lot more than a paycheck. You care about people. What am I missing in my family? What am I missing that's going on in the lives of my kids? God, I've already assumed that I'm supposed to be doing this, but, but what, would you, what would you have for me? And God may have a lot more to say than we may realize if we give him the opportunity to speak. And you might be saying, well, how does God answer? There's no ephod, you know? The word of God, that's how he speaks. As you're spending time in the word, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, 
Beginning to speak to your heart, confirming God's word. Get in the word, seek out that, that answer, inquire of the Lord. And this will lead then to the third thing that David does. So David went, he and his 600 men who were with them, and they came to the brook Peshore, or Bishore, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Peshore. 200 stay. Oh, I'm so exhausted. I can't cross this brook. But David and 400 men, they pursue. Third thing to consider is pursue instruction from the Lord. Pursued instruction from the Lord. That's what David did. And this is so important in our lives. And I like the words that the scripture uses, pursue, because it shows intent. It shows passion. It shows dedication. It shows being intentional. I'm going to pursue it. He heard God's instruction. Should I go after the Amalekites? God says yes. So he did it with ardor. He did it with everything that he had. He pursued. He wasn't going to be stopped by this brook. Even though others were weary and others were stopping, he wasn't going to stop. He was going to pursue God's instruction. God can speak to us all day long, but if we don't pursue the instruction that he gives to us, we're not going to see the victories. We're not going to see the breakthroughs. We're not going to experience God doing what only God can do. He said, here it is. Here's my instructions. Give it a try. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Lord, you didn't know my wife when you said that, you know. No, you give it a try. Follow God's instructions. Love your wife as Christ loves the church and see what God does. Wives, submit to your husbands. He said the S word in church. He said submit to your husband. You thought a different word, you know. (laughs) Wives, submit to your husbands. That's what God calls you to do. Respect your husband. See what God would do in your marriage as you act on the instructions of the Lord. Parents, we're to train our kids up in the ways of the Lord, teaching them the, the things of God, instructing them and disciplining them. Try it out. See what God would do. We've been given the great commission. What is that? To go and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's not just for missionaries and for the church staff and for pastors. It's for all of us. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you till the end of the age. See what happens as we pursue his instruction. Okay, God, I've got new marching orders. This week, all of a sudden, has come exciting. I want to pursue that. I want to pray for the lost. I want to look for opportunities to proclaim the name of Jesus. Okay, here it is. Here's reality time. If you come to RMC, if you've been here for a while, been here for a couple years, been here for 20 years, we are well taught. We love going through the word of God. You have the instruction of God. I have the instruction of God. So what are we going to do with it? It's time to pursue it. It's time to take action on it. It's time to pick a few things that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to our hearts and lives and say, okay, I got to pursue. I'm not going to get weary. I'm not going to get sidetracked. I'm going to keep going with what, what the Lord has for me. Now let's look at this 200 that get weary. They're so close. They're so close. We're going to find that exciting things happen in the next few verses. And as we get weary, you never know what's just on the other side of the brook. Press through the brook. 
Keep going. Put one foot in front of another because you never know when the breakthrough is going to happen. Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Let's look and see what they missed out on in verse 11. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water, and they gave him a piece of of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he'd eaten, his strength came back to him, for he'd eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. They're so grieved. David was so grieved that he hadn't eaten for three days or three nights. David presses through, and here is the food that he so desperately needed. They were so close to the provisions that would refresh them. Not only the provisions, but also the information that they needed in verse 13. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, from the servant of the Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an evasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. He had no idea who he was talking to here. He's like, yeah, I'm an Egyptian, but I'm a servant of the Amalekite, and we just went on this raid, and we burned Ziglag. David's like, that's my city. <laughs> you know, where's my wives, plural? And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me, by God, that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you to the troop. That's wisdom. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take you uh, to my, my master, but make sure you don't kill me nor turn me back into him. And when he brought him down, there they were spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil which had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Oversight arrogance to think that you can go in and take 600 men's families and they're not going to come looking for you. Take their wives, take their kids, take all their stuff, and they're like partying like there's no tomorrow. These guys aren't going to come looking for their wife and kids. They're not going to come after this. Arrogance, oversight. Then David attacked them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. This is a long battle. From twilight, they attacked from twilight until the evening of the next day, almost a full 24-hour period. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything what they had taken from them, David recovered all. God was faithful to his word. And that's what we need to know when we pursue God's instructions, he'll be faithful to his word. He doesn't always promise the outcome, but he'll be faithful to his word. Jesus said he's going to come back. He's going to come back. He's faithful to his word. He said he's going to work all things together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It's not my good, It's not what I perceive as good. It's according to his good, according to his plan and his purpose. He'll be faithful to his word. He'll be faithful to his promises. Then David took all of the flocks and the herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, 
This is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Peshore. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. So they come back to these 200 who had been weary and stayed at the brook. Then all the wicked, notice this, the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they do not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except for every man's wife and children and they may lead them away and depart. Remember, these guys have fought some hard battles together. This is the 600 men that stood against Saul and were on the run for all of these years, but now they go, these guys, they don't deserve anything. All they get is their wife back and their kids back, and we don't even want to see them anymore. We want them to depart from our presence. And this shows a heart that has received grace, received goodness, but has been unwilling to share it and to pass it on with others. Any victory in our lives is not because of us. This isn't because of David. He wasn't even supposed to be in this situation. God gave him the victory. It's not our victory. It's not our hard work. It's not our prayer life. It's not how much we read the Bible. If God gave us what we deserved, look out. Amen? Can I get an amen? So everything is from him. It's, it's his victory. It's his working in our lives. And sometimes God can do such amazing things in our lives by his grace, and we can come back and be so incredibly stingy, can't we? Uh, I'm not going to pass that on. You don't deserve it. You got weary. You gave up at, at the brook. And the Lord addresses these men as wicked and worthless in their hearts. This is how David deals with it. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given you. He's reminded this is God's victory. This is, this is God's spoil who has preserved us and delivered us into our hand, the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle. Let me read that again. But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies they shall share alike. Did you catch that? These guys that stayed with the supplies, even though they were tired, they get the same reward as those that went and fought the battle. And here we find ourselves in an awesome truth that Jesus taught as well, is that the supporter who then sends somebody to the front lines of the work, guess what? They get the same reward the same reward. Our worship team volunteers their time. They come in early on a Friday afternoon. They're going to lead worship tonight. going to lead worship tomorrow morning. going to go home about one in the afternoon and go to work on Monday and work a full week and come back and do it again on the weekend. And a lot of them are married. And you know what happens when your spouse is gone all weekend doing worship here? You're holding down the home front. And guess what? The one that is holding down the home front gets the same reward as the one that is coming and leading worship. We've got missionaries that are all over the world from our church, and they're being sent out into the battle, and some of you support them. You support them financially. Some you, you can't support them financially, and you, you prayer warriors for them. Some of you do both. 
and your whole Christian life you feel guilty and you're going, man, I'm not on the front lines. And God says, you get the same reward. And without supporters, there can't be warriors out on the front lines. And you're saying, I don't know about this, Eric. This sounds a little bit too good to be true. Matthew 10, verse 41 says this, he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall see, receive a righteous man's reward. Church, that's a great way to get a reward, isn't it? I may not ever be able to go to Uganda. I may not ever be able to go to the Middle East. I might not ever be able to, to go to, to Peru. I, I, I don't have that call. I don't have that opportunity to go. But I can pray for them. I can give. I can give to that work. You know, I, I might not be called to be on the worship team. Maybe it's my spouse, but I can, I can support them. You know, I, I might not be called to, to give a message and to teach the word of God, but God maybe is put upon your heart to, to pray for those that do. You get the same reward. If you want to put me on your prayer list, praise God. I know many of you pray for me. I need all the prayer that I can get. Amen? And do you get the principle? Do you get the truth here? It's not just the warriors that were on the front line, but also those that were supporting. The chapter ends in verse 26 down to verse 31 with David taking the spoils that he's received and sharing it with all that he loves in Israel. And I love David's heart to share what God has blessed him with. Now when David came to Ziglag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, here's a present for you from the spoils of the enemies of the Lord. To those who are in Bethel, those who are in Ramoth of the south, those who are in Jatar, those who are in Aror, those who are in Ziphmoth, those who are in, and it just keeps going. Just keeps going from there. Those that were there, those that were in Aurora, those that were in Pueblo, those that were in Salt Lake City, and all those places, verse 31, jump down with me to verse 31, and all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. Oh, man, I'm thinking of this brother, this sister, this church. I just want to bless him. Uh, God's blessed us with this tremendous spoil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it. And that's ultimately the heart of Jesus. And we see it in the heart of David as well. So how do we wrap up? How do we apply this to our hearts and our lives? Consider three questions with me. Am I strengthening myself in the Lord? I think sometimes we're always looking to something or someone else other than the Lord. And please hear me on this. No one else can strengthen you in the Lord like you can if you choose to do so. No one could do this for David. David did this for himself. Do you hear that? David strengthened himself in the Lord. And every day, every moment of the day, there's open access to the throne room of God where we can find refreshment and living water. Oh, if I, if I had a mentor. Oh, if someone would invest in me. Oh, if someone could get me out of this mud that I'm in. Oh, it's wonderful to have a mentor. It's wonderful to have the body of Christ. But the body of Christ is not Christ. Do you hear me? And it's ultimately us going to the Lord, going to the throne room of God, entering into that relationship that we find that strength. And then are you inquiring of the Lord? It's so easy to go through life and you're even on a good track. You're doing good things. You're doing godly things. 
But we've just assumed I've got God's answer. I know what God wants. I know what God desires. And for us to step back, take some time, time to pray, time to be still, time to be in the word. God, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me in all areas of my life? I surrender all to you. And when you get that answer from the Lord, he speaks to you through the word. Remember, this is the word of God. He has spoken. So you're reading it. And God says, this is what you should do. You pursue it. I'm going to be obedient to the word. I'm going to follow through. And then be encouraged that some are to be on the front lines and some are to be with the supplies. Some are to be supporters. Some are to be sent, but the reward's the same. And if you've been sitting there feeling condemned and beat up because you're a supporter, be encouraged. You get the same reward. You get the same reward. The important thing is being obedient what God has called you to do. I'm feeling a sense of anticipation, aren't you? A sense of excitement. So what does God want to do tonight? What does he want to do tomorrow? Maybe go from this service and invite somebody to to come back tomorrow morning at the nine o'clock service. Go walk around your neighborhood. Pray for your neighborhood. Pray that God would open up eyes. Go drive through the city and find somebody to love and meet a need and share the gospel. I don't know. Just be open. What God, what do you want to do? What, what is your plan? What is your purpose? And Lord, help me to step out into those things. Would you stand with me and let's, let's pray together. Father, we take a moment right now to, to strengthen ourselves in you. We look to you. So many times we look to other things and to people and you're our father, you're our dad. And We thank you that you're truthful, that you're merciful, that you're gracious, that you're kind, that you've given us your son. And we give you our difficulties and our trials. We ask that you give us strength. Father, I pray for those that find themselves in the midst of a real broken situation that they're hurting right now. God, that you would strengthen them through the power of your Holy Spirit. We wait upon you to inquire of you. Father, what would you have us to do? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to us through your word? And we choose to pursue, we choose to obey, we choose to act on what you've spoken to us in your word. Give us strength to walk in obedience.